Oh my god. Space aliens. Don't eat me! I have a wife and kids! Eat them! Silence! We are travelers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. A canned laser. Welcome everyone to another episode of Occam's Laser. Today, let's not beat around the bush. Let's just dive straight in because there are some pressing issues at hand. Um, aliens, they're, are they real? Uh, they're or, coming for you. Yeah, are they coming for you? Are they going to come into your bedroom and kidnap you at night? Probably during the day. We'll have a <laughs> world-renowned expert uh, on the line later. Uh, Alex Jones to fill us in <laughs> on alien program. But first, uh, Dulta, why should anyone give two fine fucks about Neptune? Um, because it's big and it's a planet. Yeah, actually, is it a planet? Yes. Yeah, so people... Uh, <laughs> I would most definitely say yes. So I give this talk in schools <clears throat> about the solar system, like a journey around the solar system kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I learn loads about the solar system because I don't care about it usually. Yeah, but, like, wow, look at all them facts that I never don't know. Yeah, because one fact about Neptune is, first that they're gas giants, right? So you can't walk on it and then people... I'd say people are amazed by that. Well, people are like, they're not planets and they're just balls of gas. Like, you tricked us. Like, astronomers have been lying to us. Yeah, that's a kind of a weird definition of a planet, though. But you can't land there. You can't plant a flag. Well, you could. Because... <laughs> you could float a flag. <laughs> the other fact that I often tell schools is, and it is true because I looked it up earlier today to confirm, <laughs> I didn't mind telling children, but I thought I better look this up before... I put it down in audio. Um, that it, like, rains um, diamonds on, like, Neptune and... Jupiter and stuff other planets yeah because it's so the pressure so people are like we should go and get them but i mean <laughs> <laughs> i mean if it's turning stuff into diamonds at that depth what are you going to use to go get them <laughs> yeah exactly the cost of going <laughs> we'll have to make a diamond you satellite better off just digging up the entire world to find diamonds it'd be much cheaper well child i mean you can't get child slaves to get diamonds from uranus <laughs> you know you have to use actual pay people proper i mean yeah blood diamonds anyway why are we talking about this okay yeah so there was um an article you sent me that said if we're gonna go to neptune and uranus we should Mm -hmm. do it soon yeah we should why well i don't even like soon is kind of a loose term right we should just go yeah yeah um because soon in terms of like planning missions in uh, astrophysics usually means 20 to 30 years <laughs> yeah so it's a career because you could do your phd on a mission that like i've certainly known phd yeah. students who have done their project on a mission that's supposed to be launching by the time they start their phd and it just uh, doesn't even happen by the time they graduate because things get delayed yeah and there's also like people who would like be postdocs like young career postdocs who like start a mission planning like you know be involved in its early phase planning and then you know they'd be old by the time it actually launches like yeah. it takes so long and then it blows up on the launch pad <laughs> and then you're like damn it i wasted my life <laughs> yeah although they usually make two for that reason but i also don't know if there's any other sort of career like that where it's so all in you know like it's it's such a commitment to us like obviously there's a lot of astrophysics where people just work with data and aren't involved in 
specific missions but if you were and it was all on the line for that one mission and then it all went wrong like i don't think there's any other career like that unless you were you know building like cern and then it just never worked that would obviously have been a huge catastrophe but uh but at least building something it will hopefully like at least it should function i mean i think it's most depressing when you hear about particle physicists who like just back the wrong horse and put all their ideas <laughs> into like something that this particle that didn't yeah that doesn't exist yeah. and they spend years and years like, trying to prove it yeah it's like theoretically yeah, it's possible <laughs> yeah or like the ether or any of that kind of stuff there's definitely people who sunk many years into the ether was a feral fuck up now i have to say <laughs> feral <laughs> fucking bullshit Egypt. <laughs> um but in the next few years if we send something to um uranus or neptune we can use gravity assist from jupiter Mm-hmm. And we can get there faster. So why didn't Voyager do that, or did it? So um, I think Voyager two did. Okay, yeah. But the and because that's going faster, isn't it? Than Voyager. I, mean, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> very specific. Twenty two thousand miles. Away. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, all just the planets have to be in a certain alignment. So it's kind yeah. of uh, is it just a timing issue then? Yeah, it's weird that scientists now are like, oh, if we want to go, we have to go now. The planets are lining up. Like, well, this is, I guess that's that's probably a big part of why yeah. they want to go to Uranus and Neptune now, because like the planets just work out in, yeah. a, in a but good let's just orientation. Hope the person in charge is a Gemini or whatever, and then they'll have their alignment. Planets, yeah. yeah, and they can, they'll fund the mission. And also find true love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's mad that like we haven't been back to those planets since Voyager 2. It's been like 30 years. Yeah, so that was the first time. So all yeah, the, the pictures, only time. Yeah, all the pictures are like 30 years old and probably like not. Have you seen them? I can't remember. They're I'm on, sure I have. There's, there's like, they're on the Wikipedia pages for them. And yeah, they're they're actually better than I expected, but still in like modern standards, pretty crap. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, like just having pretty pictures isn't the only reason you would go, obviously. Like there's so much like scientific value with actually going and seeing what they like, what they look like now. Because in 30 years, there's probably a lot of stuff that changed. Like, if you just have a snapshot snapshot of what they were like, you know, over the couple of days that you were, like, flying by them, it's kind of a bit of a biased sample, right? So, like, one of the biggest, um, or one of the most significant parts that came from it that time was, like, all of those high winds that they had. Like, Neptune had the highest recorded winds in the, like, entire solar system. It was, like, 1,500 kilometers a second. Yeah, and so on Earth, isn't... The fastest ever was like 200 or something. 250, yeah, something like Kilometers that. Kilometers an hour. Oh, my units, yeah. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can't remember now. <laughs> well, and there's a big difference. Anyway, they were both in the same units anyway, yeah. so normalized. <laughs> well, on Earth, there's no way it was kilometers a second. Oh, no, a second. I thought you said an hour. <laughs> no? It's definitely an hour. But like miles per hour, kilometers an hour. Oh, it's kilometers. Uh, well, we live in Europe, so yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, like that's extremely fast. And there was all those storms on it, just like Jupiter has the the great the great red spot. Yeah, it also has large storm systems like that, which would be interesting to follow up on. I made an embarrassing joke about the great red spot when I was in a school talking to like secondary school students who were all spotty. I was uh, like, "Here's something you're all familiar with: <laughs> oh, <laughs> the no. great red spot." But uh, those people. <laughs> Those people who were looking at Neptune and saw that big storm, yeah, the great spot. It wasn't red. It was, uh, <laughs> great Neptune spot. I think it's great dark or dark spot or something. Dark web. 
But when they looked at it with um, the Hubble, <laughs> responsible. the Hubble Space Telescope, it was gone, right? So that's what you're saying. Yeah, it like was yeah. So it's transient, and you know it'd be interesting to go back and look at it up close and see why that is the case. Because like there's so much like fluid dynamics going on there. They also have magnetic fields, so like you have a whole system, very complex and changing. So yeah, I mean, sure, the Earth would look different every day from the sky. Yeah, I mean, even just looking at clouds. Yeah, amazing. And clouds are a big issue in like in exoplanet studies. So like if you you know we know now there's like what over four thousand exoplanets confirmed. <laughs> there you go. Say four thousand clouds. <laughs> <laughs> four thousand cloud particles. Uh, no, 4,000 exoplanets and, you know, they, they were moving towards trying to, like, quantify their atmospheres and stuff, so you're doing, like, transmission spectroscopy, so, like, looking through their atmosphere uh, with the, like, light from the star behind them and trying to look at, like, spectral lines and say, oh, well, this atmosphere has water, this one has carbon dioxide, this one has whatever, but if they have clouds, uh, like, opaque clouds in their atmosphere, it wipes out all of that information so, you know, studying outer planets like Neptune, which are, like, extremely cloudy, or Uranus, like, they're all, like, that would definitely help towards quantifying the same thing in uh, exoplanet systems, which would be good. Yeah, because most exoplanets discovered are quite similar to Neptune and stuff, aren't they? Yeah, there's or... a lot, well, so there's kind of biases here as well, which would also help in terms of, like, Neptune and Uranus are so far out. I think it would help us understand, like, exoplanets that also orbit their host stars quite far out. But uh, yeah, like I think the majority of um, exoplanets at the beginning definitely were all hot Jupiters because they were huge planets right beside the star, much easier to detect. And everyone was like, oh, we're like, the Earth is special. It's nearly all hot Jupiters. And then as like our instruments got more sensitive, you're able to Yeah, obviously we're going to see the biggest things <laughs> first, uh, closest yeah. to the stars. Yeah. And so like even now there's, so like hot Jupiters are called that just because they're so close and they're like, really hot uh, which makes sense and they're massive <coughs> but for there's other things called like warm neptunes so they're slightly less massive and slightly further out and so they're just like they're like neptune sized but they're a lot closer than neptune is to the sun so they're just warmer um but again like there could be loads of neptune sized planets orbiting their stars like at a distance we wouldn't be able to detect a planet orbiting a star at the distance Neptune Neither. is orbiting yeah. the sun so oh really even that level I don't think so. Like, yeah. like maybe in a fluke scenario where yeah. it transits perfectly. Um, but like, you know, the radial velocity technique where they pull on each other, that just doesn't really work at that distance. Yeah. The difference is kind of insignificant. But would you, if you were in charge, would you fund a mission to like Neptune? Like, I just, you'd rather go to the moons of Jupiter or Saturn. Yeah, it's stuff. like slightly more boring or something. Yeah, like you can, because they might actually find life down there. Like they can actually dig up the like oceans there, and they're closer, and we know a bit more about them and stuff. I think if it was up to me personally, yeah, I'd probably go to like moons of like Saturn, Jupiter, like Enceladus, and uh, Europa, which have like yeah those big underground like icy oceans and stuff, because of the chance of maybe discovering like a bacteria there or something, which would be monumental yeah which definitely wouldn't be out on neptune which would definitely get you a lovely nature paper <laughs> yeah exactly think of the citations so many yeah um but i do think yeah like they're kind of forgotten i think it's like jupiter is so much easier to study as in it's way closer so much cheaper to get to it takes less time to get to it i don't know what's the 
like travel time delay between Neptune and Earth, but it's probably quite significant. Yeah, well, they said to get there, it will take like 10 years travel, obviously not light travel, but just actually get a mission that far that it would take yeah, a decade of travel. Yeah, that's so long, is, like 10 yeah. years of your life waiting yeah. for a mission to get there. Yeah. Like you really want to start planning now and then it'll probably get there in like 40 years time if we, by the time the mission is actually accepted. Yeah, and you don't want to find a problem like two years into the mission and you're like, wait, great, we have to wait for eight years for it to, although you've eight years to come up with a solution, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, and even then, like uh, transmitting data back though is probably a pain. Like you probably have to wait. Like it's probably close to a week for the information to get back. Yeah, well, Earth and Sun is eight minutes. It's probably. But we're way closer to the Sun than yeah, we no, it's, June, it's so. going to be yeah much longer than that. We should have done the maths out. Do but the maths. It's probably a hundred so it's probably a hundred solar radii, right, or something like that. No, or solar radii. Uh, yeah. <laughs> AU, I mean. AU. Um. I don't know. Oh well, who will who will ever know? Nobody. The answer is unknown. The limit does not exist. Anyway, yeah, we should definitely go to those planets anyway. Uh, but after we go to the Neptune. moons of Jupiter. So as we were saying, uh, <laughs> Neptune is thirty AU, thirty astronomical units. So it's only yeah. thirty times further down the Earth. So yeah, that's not too bad. Then eight minutes times thirty. Bad week. Unless unless it's on the other side of the sun. Oh yeah. Then it's well then it's only that plus eight times two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean it it's pretty good, but it's the same bias was there for Mercury, right? We didn't go there for ages because people were just obsessed oh, with it. Oh, it's a tiny area. rock. <laughs> yeah. That's far away and rocky. Burnt rock. <laughs> yeah. But Neptune is so dark and cold and and Uranus and the rest. Yeah, I'm sure you could find people who are super interested like but yeah i think there are more pressing places to go to first yeah and then we can't even really go there because like the reason mars captures so much attention is because like we could literally go there and build a i don't know we can walk on it at starbucks or something yeah yeah i mean in terms of like sci-fi futures like neptune is the furthest significant planet Obviously, Pluto is. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> still maintained that Pluto is a planet, but um, yeah, it's not a planet anymore, so we immediately forget it exists. Uh, but like, yeah, that would be a cool like base to have Neptune. Like, it'll be the easiest to escape the solar system from. So, but then, can you like that? You can't go there, really. But you could have a you base orbiting. Out. Yeah, you could right? hang out. You could orbit. And they Neptune. have moons, probably. Uh, yeah, it does have moons. It has loads. Like, yeah, fourteen or something, and Uranus is like twenty or something. Too many, if you ask me. Yeah, get rid of half of those. They're not efficient. <laughs> yeah. They're also way smaller than like Titan and all those ones. Actually, one of like one thing that really annoyed me was uh, Neptune's moon is called Triton. And then there's Titan, which is a moon of Saturn. And then Uranus has uh, a moon called Tritium or something. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah, and like pick different names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many words, and they're just like, yeah, just stop getting all those tritons going. Yeah, yeah. is Triton a god and or something? Yeah. I I can stop bringing up questions. We have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> is is a Triton not a thing that you're oh, yeah. called? That's the thing they that stabbed the Neptune god. Yeah, oh. his fork that he eats his dinner with and <laughs> smites his enemies. <laughs> Neptune's two moons, Triton and Knife. <laughs> And spoon. <laughs> yeah, but that's the standard classic. Thing. 
so people like those missions especially the ones for the moons of jupiter and saturn fall under the like seti umbrella but they cost so much like if people were really interested in seti which they are like the cost of a mission would go a lot further by looking out in the space with telescopes um but then i guess you're not gonna dig up something i guess yeah so <clears throat> i guess though like you mean for seti to not remotely observe but to actually like be involved in well, going if, there if the sole idea of a mission was like okay let's look we have a billion life dollars yeah how do we find life i mean you could spend all of that just going to like i don't know a moon of saturn and be mm-hmm. like oh there's nothing there or you could just really take over all the telescopes and look at all of the radio yeah like yeah remotely observe other exoplanets perhaps yes perhaps and tell me more <laughs> tell me more um we were going to talk about the fermi paradox and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but i was looking up enrico fermi uh <laughs> on wikipedia very smart man what a man very very smart um is that all you have to say about it <laughs> <laughs> well just that there was a an article, uh, article on wikipedia we do all our research on wikipedia it sounds like because uh, you mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. but an article called list of things named after enrico fermi yeah and it'd be quite a good game to try and guess them all now obviously we don't know that many but yeah I did, like i could call like the fermi paradox and isn't there like some sort of fermi energy gamma ray space telescope uh yes and there's other such things but it's cool i should have a wikipedia page named after just things named after other people uh we could make one like a list of things named after shot mooney and just have a the blank moon. page <laughs> the moon <laughs> Yeah, I just like looked it up here. So there's a lot. Yeah, Fermi arc, phenomenon in superconductivity. <laughs> Fermi constant, which is the strength of the Fermi interaction. Oh, a good one is Fermi problems. So he had he had this knack of. Um... There's way too much stuff named after him. I'm just scrolling yeah. through here, like everything in physics. <laughs> But after, so he was involved in the Manhattan Project, and after the mm-hmm. bomb went off, that test, the big test, uh, Castle Bravo or something. Yeah, um, and you stand there with uh, scraps of paper, and then let them fall as the blast went past, and he saw how far the paper blew mm-hmm. out of his hand, and then he could like from that infer, work back, and have an estimate of how the power of the bomb, the blast. Yeah, like you know, weeks before then, they could actually figure it out. Um, but he always did shit like that. And there's a... There's a whole, <laughs> drop of paper wherever he went. But there's a category of problems called like Fermi problems of like how do you... Get the energy just, of a bomb from paper. Or yeah, or, or they're just mad, like rough things. And the yeah. example question they gave is like how many piano tuners are in Chicago? And then you kind of like just Estimate say... Estimate well, roughly. There's, yeah. Yeah. there's a piano in every 10 houses and a piano tuner can tune 100 <laughs> pianos in a week <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but it's kind of good they're they're fun little things although too yeah. hard to do it kind of it reminds me of like there's the exam for like your undergrad they have like a problem-based exam paper where you have to like logically think out what will be a reasonable value to accept here for like yeah like the number of piano tuners in a city or whatever I try figure it out but uh but people aren't built to do it i mean no it's like yeah especially when it's something you don't really haven't 
thought about before you can like completely miss yeah piano tuners that's actually you can grasp that but if you said with no prior knowledge work out how many atoms do you think are in uh like a liter of water like you know like something once you get into the pure abstract it's incredibly Mm -hmm. hard to think about i mean atoms in a liter of water should be okay Yeah, but if you're you're even thinking of like if you just ask somebody that who doesn't know anything, who oh, hasn't like studied physics or chemistry, yeah, like you would be off by a factor of a trillion at least. Oh, at least, <laughs> yeah, like at least <laughs> they would have no they wouldn't even know how many atoms is like a lot or yeah, not like a, lot. a billion. Yeah, billion. it's like actually it's like ten to the twenty four. <laughs> billion, 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 billion. Yeah, yeah, actually, to segue now into the Fermi paradox. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? How all many about? billions of people do you think there are out there? billions yeah because the paradox is that there are if you work statistically there should be more or as many habitable planets in the universe as there are like grains of sand on earth style numbers mm-hmm. um and people can figure that out but it's you know there's, yeah, there's lots of planets basically yeah, it's 100 billion galaxies or stars in the milky way 100 billion galaxies which each have 100 billion planets yeah, or stars big statistics have, here. <laughs> yeah so even if one of them was advanced mm-hmm. um so for me it's just like what the fuck where is all the aliens where, where's the, my people at <laughs> so where are they yeah it doesn't really uh, i mean he had a good point you know i think so there's obviously all these um theories of like great filters um, like all these civilizations hit some sort of filter that made them go extinct and usually they they're usually a consequence of either natural phenomena or uh, technological progression and like technological progression would immediately like prevent so if it was one of those reasons say like basically uh, a civilization uh, develops and then they all kill each other in nuclear war like obviously that would stop uh, civilization moving on to like spacefaring or ex- exploration right so I think that's probably the most likely answer or it's incredibly rare that intelligent life actually develops like way more rare than we think but that's good if that ends up being the answer because then we'll, we'll have passed the filter whereas something like nuclear war will still well have there still that. could be a filter <laughs> we yeah. just won't know if it, it's there or not but, yeah uh, but like uh, Nick Bostrom, he's like a philosopher who writes about existential risk and stuff at Oxford, I think. But he said like one of the worst things that could ever happen to us is we find life on like bacterial life on Mars or something, because then that just shows, oh, fuck, life isn't that rare, which means that there still must be some problem ahead of us yeah, yeah. that we're still going to run into. So, yeah, I've never actually thought about it like that. Yeah, if there's like bacteria on Mars, intelligent life could develop and then probably wipe themselves out and that's why we don't see anything <laughs> yeah but there there are so many other um reasons that there couldn't be stuff i mean like i don't know if say if you said okay on statistic on paper there should be like a, a billion civilizations there's mm-hmm. no way every one of them would all fall to something like nuclear war or like, because you always think that, geez, they're, even if there's one in a billion, you know, who just say, hey, we made it. We're just going to say hello. So there's a couple of things that always, like, kind of fascinate me about it, though. It's like, okay, so, yeah, I, we, we again, like, it's one thing saying they're, like, civilized or intelligent, but we don't know how difficult it is to actually get to the point we're at. And even the point we're at, like, we have to specifically look at a planet and like how are we going to say hello we're going to send like radio signals and they're going to take 
you know, whatever the distance is, like in light years, that many years to get there. And if we only spend like a couple of weeks beaming that signal at it, then they have to be looking during those few, like, you know what I mean? It's already, you're getting into like very unlikely chances that that planet has an intelligent civilization that's receiving radio signals and looking as well in those few weeks. Like a few weeks is nothing on an evolutionary timescale. Yeah, so they're actually split up into two different types of um, approaches to SETI. So one is SETI where you're trying to detect signals from aliens. And we do that like all the time. There's these programs, um, which is actually what we're supposed to talk about this. But I'll like, say arguably, it's like better or easier to do to like keep looking. For... Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's like having the satellite dish up listening. And then there's the METI, which is messaging extraterrestrials. And loads of people have said we definitely shouldn't do this we have no idea what's out there and it's so naive to just broadcast their place and people like Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan and loads of others were just said it's a real stupid thing to do um but I know so Breakthrough Listen are like a a fund from I think a guy called Yuri Miller he's like some Russian tech guy Yeah. yeah so he's funding a billion dollars into these SETI expeditions and one of them is listening to stuff and the reason we're going to talk about this was because they released the results saying we listened to a thousand mm-hmm. stars and we didn't find yeah anything. it was something like 1300 stars they but there's published a, two papers there recently i think wasn't it but there's another branch of that where they have um with uh he co-founded with like a breakthrough listen except it's not listen breakthrough something else yeah so branch. breakthrough foundation is like the main like breakthrough is the name of the whole thing right yeah the organization yeah <clears throat> weird name but yeah but he uh, himself and mark zuckerberg are like mm-hmm. making some drone or some stuff to send out into to the nearest stars like accelerating them to like 20 percent of the speed of light remember all that actually news? sending something yeah they want to okay. send a swarm Physical. of like uh, probes nanosats or something yeah yeah there was like uh what was it, a year two years ago when Stephen Hawking mentioned like oh we should be like just make a like a sail that you fire lasers at and propel through like radiative pressure and then send like get and like have a tiny satellite that is very very small so it's easier to accelerate and then basically power it that way and just keep firing lasers at it until it gets to like the nearest star but that would definitely be a good idea it would be very cool it would still take ages to yeah. get there but uh, and also when you do get there you would have such minimal amount of time to like mm-hmm. take <laughs> pictures and like send them back and then when you send them back it would take the speed of light to get them back yeah you know, so and whatever it hits it's going to hit it pretty fast hard. <laughs> yeah although actually it might be too fast to even get caught in the gravitational like mm-hmm. pull of another star it could just yeah shoot past it like, yeah and... like it might get deflected but yeah at that yeah. point like if you're accelerating it for you know 40 years or something it'll probably be going quite fast at that stage um <clears throat> yeah i had some points that i wanted to make but we've, make kind, of, we've kind of we've kind of moved fast <laughs> oh, move back um yeah the whole like uh why we haven't detected civilizations um i, I think it always like amazes me that like we still don't know how people became intelligent or conscious at all 
in the sense yeah. that we're conscious compared to an animal like obviously animals are also conscious but like in a different sort of way yeah if there's a load of like dogs on a different exoplanet they're not going to be trying to yeah so like we don't know how we kind of bridge that gap into being self-aware and to be looking for like other civilizations without knowing how frequent that mechanism is whatever it is like some random mutation or whatever made us like self-aware it just seems weird to be like, oh yeah, well there'll probably be civilizations that are self-aware and intelligent and doing things and yeah, but well, like that could be like a complete random chance that happens in one in a hundred trillion, and then if you've only got like a couple of hundred billion, then we're the one in a trillion, yeah. you know. But that's what it was for the dinosaurs, right? Because they were stable for millions of years, like there was no yeah, like major, yeah, no major evolution or anything, and then they got wiped out, and that kind of kickstarted <laughs> everything, but. Like, if not, they'd probably still be around just eating grass or whatever. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because, like, they, like the length that dinosaurs lived on Earth is longer than they haven't since, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, like, what's not to say that there's, you know, billions of planets with just dinosaurs roaming around on them, but just, they're not going to detect any radio signals, you know? Because the other big jump was probably from, like, prokaryotic to eukaryotic cells and, like getting complex life from crappy bacteria or mm -hmm. not so crappy mm. good definition there but the, the thing is the sun is also relatively young so if there's loads of other stars which are way older than us and we're looking at those like there's also the chance that we could like we missed could, people yeah but, or we could detect stuff from them but they're gone like they've been gone for like a million years you know and they've like it's yeah, I mean a million years would mean that it's a million light years away, which would probably be oh, that's true. too far away. But yeah, I mean, but like we've only been yeah we've only been sending like signals to space for like fifty years. Yeah, which like is, that's such a minuscule yeah. amount of time. Um, and the other thing is, different types of stars with different masses live for different lengths of time. So the sun will live for about fourteen billion years or so, maybe a bit less. Um, but if like you know an M if there's a planet orbiting an M dwarf, it'll live for way longer. Or even like a smaller, like the smallest mass stars will live for the longest out of any yeah. star. Yeah. So, you know, should we be looking around those stars in terms of planets orbiting those stars have the highest chance of, or the longest amount of time to develop? But then I guess, you know, you run into issues because they're very dim stars, so they're kind of harder to observe. Um, but it's even like anthropomorph or anthropocentric I suppose think that like another just because we like to conquer shit and explore mm -hmm. like there's no reason to think another civilization would want to do that like it's a real human thing to be like let's go over there and kill those people and take and that land. land yeah ooh more land I can't <laughs> yeah, wait yeah it could just be some weird octopus like or whatever in space yeah I remember actually seeing a Kurzasak YouTube video um, that in a nutshell channel and they had like an interesting point as well as if like if a planet was mainly liquid, you would have like a marine-esque life. Mm, yeah. And like they could easily be, it could be quite common that they're frozen in. So if the planet is too far away from the host star, the like top few kilometers of liquid could be frozen. And then you could have like this ocean, like a planetary ocean teeming with life. But it would never know anything outside of it because it would never be able to break through like the five kilometers of ice at the top. Yeah. It'd be like literally like if the sky was the ceiling, like, and just, yeah. this is, and that could, that could easily be happening. Like that could be very common. Yeah. Cause there's so many planets that uh, we've detected and so many that 
we haven't and probably orbit much further away because it's harder to detect them if they orbit further away. And if that's the case, they're probably very cold. But that, that doesn't mean that life couldn't develop, you know, because like we evolved at our like temperature of our planet makes sense. Well, yeah. I'd say like other life couldn't have. But that's the reason that the moons of Jupiter and Saturn and stuff are so appealing. I mean, they're oceans under mm. ice. Yeah. Because usually like planets will, when they form, will give geothermal heat. Right. Yeah. So that could keep any sort of, like say a water ocean liquid for like millions of years. Which is more than enough time for life to develop. But even I think like Uranus or Neptune, like they get like a thousand times less light than the Earth from the sun. But the winds are still caused by, as you said, the internal heat just cooling mm. down. And from the Earth, like even some of the heat we have is, is like well, obviously volcanoes. I mean, yeah, stand beside a volcano, I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just internal heat rating. Yeah, like that's not from the sun at all. Yeah, <laughs> if there was no sun, would you just go live beside a volcano and try and? But that's where life started, I suppose, wasn't it? Outside Geothermal vents yeah. and stuff, yeah. The internal. <clears throat> the other thing is, if there was a super advanced civilization, um, like even like Earth in a thousand years, if we weren't dead, you would think AI, like it would be machine stuff, like it would be so non-biological, <clears throat> possibly. Yeah, you would imagine. Um, I mean, we should really just do an episode focused on like the future of AI. I know we talked about like AI and chess before, but we should do an episode just talking about AI. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even so, yeah, AI should be super advanced and even to a point where like we just are like. But as a condition, because if you're gonna, if we're gonna see someone coming from like a few light years away, they must have harness technology in some way, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's more likely it's some like probe with like that's running machines yeah. rather than any actual living beings or something like that. But. Something else that could be a reason why we don't see any other life is because of, uh, like, virtual reality. That whole idea of if uh, uh, society becomes advanced enough to create, like, realistic virtual realities that are infinite, then why not just live your whole life in that infinite yeah, reality? Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely possible. So, like, we could be looking for, for other civilizations and they're not looking outwards, they're looking at their machines inwards, if that makes sense. And just living in their simulations. Yeah, in the perfect, perfect world. <clears throat> yeah, in utopias, essentially. The other thing is, like, this is a very serious scientific inquiry. Like, people spend their career on it, but a lot of people, regular folk, normies, if you will. <laughs> uh, just lost all of our listeners. <laughs> those not in the ivory tower like us. Um, you know, would think of aliens in the same bracket as like ghosts, aliens, mm-hmm. like kind of stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but people in I mean they like can't really argue with the stats that there should be something else out there. It's funny, yeah, because you kind of have this weird gap where like you go into academia in like astrophysics, and it's like people kind of uh, laugh is a strong word, <laughs> but like people kind of you know think it's sneer. funny that you're yeah sneer at you for like studying any sort of extraterrestrial stuff because realistically we're very far away from actually either traveling to any of these places or detecting it well i know we could detect one off on an off chance but yeah no but we've i'd say the you parameter also, space we've <clears throat> observed has been like a fraction of a tiny percent so yeah. it's uh, it's not likely yeah know. exactly it would be complete chance and 
then you have the other side of it where it's like yeah the statistics say like 100 percent there should be alien life but it's kind of like people just kind of sneer at other academics if you're like spending your career looking for that's what it kind of feels like i don't know yeah no absolutely yeah because like the talks people kind of go to them and like i've been at a few uh at conferences and different kind of talks that everyone goes to it's almost seen as more of a public talk than yeah. anything but it's not like they're like we have there's so the SETI institute um you know 100 million quid at berkeley one of the best universities in the world and they're really they have they use time on the best telescopes like mm-hmm. the best radio telescopes and i think they like the level of detection they can detect like radar that would be given off a commercial jet on earth from like five parsecs away so from like mm-hmm. whatever With multiple stars yeah, within that distance 15 like. light years but i mean it's so far and it's such a faint signal that like they can detect. it's crazy that they can detect that yeah. Yeah. but so and actually what they released was they said the nearest whatever thousand stars didn't have any such signatures yeah we should say that yeah yeah so, i feel like it would be bigger news if there was yeah you would have heard and as you heard last week aliens were discovered i'm moving <laughs> on um but the see just that everything like fair okay so people are think why like why would we think aliens would even have radios and use radios and the analogy is that if you went into an office a modern office today but with a walkie-talkie so even technology from relatively recent and listened you think oh there's no one here we can't detect any mm-hmm. communication but mm-hmm. it's just not used and we wouldn't know what yeah other civilizations would use but people are like well you know you might as well start somewhere with i think it's common though in terms of like you can pick radio up like we you know a lot of people consider radio as being like sound but it's a basic like wavelength of electromagnetic spectrum like it's a physical thing you know so it makes sense that we'd use it to communicate and as in you know like we can just detect those signals as waves and somebody else theoretically could too how to interpret them could be an issue yeah because we're like they remove so i think th- like radio waves coming from black holes and stuff are real broadband gentle stuff and mm-hmm. anything man-made is, or human made is or well human made is really sharp like yeah like think of like bright. if you listen to your radio in your car it's at like a really specific frequency yeah and very loud um yeah. so that's what Turn the, your radio the kind down. of signals yeah they're looking for but like yeah who knows what people would use to communicate in you know a thousand years smoke signals yeah <laughs> but they could be shooting little atoms at each other and... <laughs> yeah i mean like a morse code through like through the gravitation yeah, the only thing is like light makes sense because it's the limit of yeah. what we can travel yeah one of my favorite light-based facts is that light time doesn't exist for light people just can't wrap their heads around that it's excellent it's so good <laughs> oh no my favorite is that light has momentum or Oh, like the, like it has a pressure, like you. Yeah. Yeah. It has no mass, but it has pressure. That yeah, that does freak me out a bit. <laughs> and time stands still. Yeah, it's good. They're good facts. Yeah, like when you tell somebody like, "Oh, fire light over there, and it'll take like five million years to get there," but for the light, it's instantaneous. Oh, that is good when you phrase it like that. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, "What?" Yeah, and you're like, "Special relativity, bro." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's it's mad. Um and. The other thing that actually I was going to open with, but I forgot, uh, so maybe we'll close with it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> on time. What great planning. But that quote from who co-directed uh, There's No One Space Odyssey? 
J.J. Uh, Abrams. <laughs> as J.J. Abrams said, uh, you know, there are two possibilities. We're either alone in the universe or we're not. And both are equally terrifying, which is true. No, yeah, it is very true. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Ah. But like, yeah, I think being alone in the universe is more terrifying. I don't think it's equal. I think it's more terrifying if we were the only people. Like, why us? <laughs> like, yeah, and there's so such much random mutation. Yeah, we have to like do a good job or whatever. Yeah, yeah there will be more pressure to, to carry on existing if we were the only... And also to be like more moral, right? Yeah. You want to just like... Yeah, if you're the only self-aware, yeah. intelligent... Beings. we're the adults in the room basically <laughs> we have to yeah like you're the gardeners of the universe you want to yeah. make sure you got all that pruned and yeah kept in order you know yeah but there's loads of far off explanations for the fermi paradox we didn't talk about like that it's a we're in a zoo and you know intelligent life is leaving us alone until we get out oh, yeah. and stuff but like it's like it's... the us looking at ants aliens looking at us kind of yeah so if mm-hmm. yeah if you ask an ant next to a motorway like do you see the civilization around you they'd be like no and we just don't even we can't even see past can't our, even comprehend it yeah. see past our nose but if people wanted to dig into it they could spend all day doing it yeah i mean i think we actually don't have enough time but it, it is like the zoo idea is funny like they put us in like a playpen like a section of a universe that just has like a yeah. boundary and we're like it keeps expanding what's happening yeah. this universe is so confusing and they're like it's we're just in their little simulated box or something like yeah like the matrix maybe we're in the matrix <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that is legitimately a theory now with the whole like simulation theory but yeah who was a big poem to that i don't know <laughs> Oh, uh, he who, shall not be named. Who's the head of that car company? Tom Ford. Space, space company. <laughs> Virgin Galactic. How long have no, we been um, on? Too long. People want to get on with their lives. All right. I mean, we should definitely thank our sponsors of the show. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to the... No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Lucy Burke for sponsoring this show. Yeah, thanks, Lucy. Whoever you are, random kind donations. <laughs> random sponsors through Twitter that we get so many of. But yeah, I mean, um, thanks for listening, people. And, uh, you know, keep sending us those Twitter messages. I I enjoy them. Sean, you enjoy them. I read them all the time. I've read every single one we've got. <laughs> yeah. And that is a fact. Um, yeah, go on and give us a listen and a like um, on Twitter. Um, yeah, five stars on Amazon or something or similar uh, iTunes, iTunes or whatever yeah. people are on these days. Do people rate things anymore? I know I don't. Yeah, we should rate it ourselves. <laughs> I'd rate us like a good three out of five. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, that's a wrap, folks.